What I do is inconsequential. Why I do what I do is I get to shorten people's journeys every day. What I love about our hospitality industry is that it's our mission to make people feel cared for while on their journeys. Together, we'll explore what hospitality means in the built environment, in business, and in our daily lives. I'm Dan Ryan, and this is Defining Hospitality. Today's guest is an interior designer who draws inspiration from his 25 years of design experience around the globe. As a young designer, his passion for the industry was heightened when he fell in love with the atmosphere of New York City. He's brought his talents to a wide variety of applications, designing for corporate, residential, and hospitality environments. And after working with multiple internationally renowned design firms, he's on his entrepreneurial journey as founder and creative director of Pierre & Co. Design Studio. Ladies and gentlemen, Pierre Jocelyn. Hi, Dan. Thanks for having me. How did I do with my French pronunciation on the Jocelyn? I recognize my name. You did good. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just always want to try and keep you happy, right? Yeah, it's, it's not easy. <laughs> um, so I just want to share with everyone, I think what I'm most excited about having you here um, today, well, there's a lot of different reasons, but here we are in Arizona. Um, and you've worked at a lot of firms. You've worked on a ton of projects. Great, like world-renowned projects um, with a bunch of different firms. And recently, you've taken the entrepreneurial step to create your own studio and be an entrepreneur and hang your own shingle on the door, so to speak. Um, and that really excites me. And I think a lot of people listening um, I think it'll resonate with them as, you know, everyone's always trying to figure out what's next, where they're going. And this is still like really fresh and new to you. So I think that we can all learn a lot. And I don't know, I just love entrepreneurs and I respect you for doing that, especially growing up in a different country, coming to New York, working around and then navigating all this. It's just, it's mind boggling, um, but also very inspirational. Yeah, no, it's been a it's been a great experience for sure. I'm super grateful for all the firms I worked with, and they all worked different ways. They had pros and cons, and most of them were wonderful experiences. It come to a point where the firms was going in a direction, and I felt I needed to go in another one. And I looked around, and I didn't think there was another places I should go to, and I. That's when I decided maybe it's time. And I never really dreamed of having the name on the door, mm. but it was time. It was time. And uh, it took a while to make it happen, but I launched eight months ago. So it's still very new, uh, but I'm lucky that past clients took a chance on me and gave me a chance. So, um, so we're in business. I love that. And because reputation is everything, right? It is. So, and and for all those projects, I've worked on a number of them with you, and there nothing is ever easy. And to be able to execute at that high level, the people who you've worked with in the past remember that. And if you think about in the world of hospitality, um, it's not just you're de you're designing a space; it's a it's a financial asset, right? If things don't happen as they should, yeah, there's a, a tremendous real cost to that. Yeah, it's. At first, we think we just design pretty things and it just needs to look cool. But there's a financial reality behind it and how your decision impact really the revenue of the room, the success of the hotel. And it's all about money at the end. It's a business. Mm -hmm. And especially when you start your firm, it's a business. It's, all, it's not all about money. It's a lot of passion and 
talent behind it, but at the end of the day, there are bills to pay and money is at the top of the list. Correct. And if we go back to just hearing Tanya Nyack speak earlier today, it wasn't so much about, yes, money is there, but if you're really in your purpose and in your passion, then the money will come. I've always been a firm believer in that. Um, So I guess before we start talking about like the decision to hang your own shingle on your door, Mm. um, when you think of hospitality and it could be the projects, it could be the, I'm going to throw out another French word. It could be the joie de vivre. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It could be, I'm a very poor French speaker. So, Um, but it could be, all of these things. And when you think of hospitality and what draws you to it and these great projects and track record and reputation that you've built, um, what do you think of when you think of hospitality? Uh, it's a shared passion, right? And um, the, the design world in hospitality gives you the opportunity to work on multiple aspects, guest room, public spaces, spa, club, restaurant, bar, the variety of spaces it really what makes it exciting and the people in this industry are all very passionate so for sure it's something uh, people people driven and experiences and what we can create together there's a togetherness about it which is very attractive to me mm-hmm. and as you said it's how you build on that and create relationship and get better and better every time you've worked on amazing projects all over the world mm-hmm. right um, with some really big firms yeah on great teams. Yeah. Um, one of the things that really resonated with me, um, and it's come up a lot in recent conversations that I've had, um, is that you didn't want to grow to be so big right away. You really want to take the time. And I got the feeling like really doing the work almost by yourself, but probably not fully by yourself, but just to really get the execution down. So coming from all these larger firms to kind of having that sensibility, and it ties into this book I read called um, Small Giants, The Desire to Be Great Rather Than yeah. Big, right? Um, what, did, what, did, what have you taken from all those bigger firms and bigger teams as you're on this journey on your own? And what's the desire to keep it small at first? The, well, I was very lucky when I started in the industry. I was more like on a junior level, intermediate. And then I really was in the trenches doing the work and growing and learning and covering every step of the project. So you have a big understanding at the end of what it takes to get to the finish line. So when you start thinking about it, it's not just the concept. You want to be a designer who understands what it's going to take to turn that concept into reality. So I think it's essential to be part of it. So I've, I've been lucky to work with great people, but we always kept the team small to really cover all aspects. It doesn't get diluted into like one person starting, another one taking over, another one. And by the end of it, the f- last one has no idea where it started. Mm-hmm. So it have this full coverage of the project and being fully immersed. So you have the answer to all the questions. So to do that, you need to be a small team and um, and I've done it. I've covered all the aspects. So I realized that I could probably cover that on my own. And I'm not on my own fully. I have a, a team of consultants. So right. I, I delegate the production, mm-hmm. which allows me to focus on the design and really manage the project and the outcome of it. When you th- 
talk about that idea of concept to reality and you know having worked on a bunch of different projects with you and there's always challenges that are that arise and like earlier today you know hearing about you know we learn the most from the hardest challenges is there um a project or or an experience in your life that was so hard to just get through one day at a time, but you really, when it was all done, you felt so incredibly accomplished at the end. Well, I would say I always refer back to that project, which was the Fairmont Flame Towers in Baku, Azerbaijan. If you can imagine, it's a three towers. One was the hotel, and I was highly involved in that one. It's four years of, of your life. So it's it's a lot of work, a lot of pain, a lot of growing pain. But eventually, one day, being able to go to the hotel and stay in the room, you design and you work from the concept until the, the completion of the project. It's, uh, it's kind of a, a big learning curve and something pretty insane. Like any hotel you stay at, you worked on, is an amazing feeling. So you forget the pain you had to go through to get there because it's a hard work. So uh, a lot of deadlines, a lot of pressure to get there. But once you get there, you kind of forget everything and you're so pleased with the re end result and the feedbacks you get from the hotel, the guests. It's pretty amazing. And Baku is just like, I've never been, but I just hear it's like an incredibly vibrant and complicated city. It's, um, it's its own world for sure. I, I was there years ago, so I'm sure it evolved and progressed, but you know, it, um, it was, it was something else. You have to be there to understand what it's about. And that's the beauty of that world of hospitality and doing international projects with that culture and seeing different way of living and understanding how people go on their day. It's really exciting. But also that idea of hospitality, it transcends all cultures too. Like it might vary a little bit on the, on the margins, but it's really all about making others feel welcome. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm just curious, when you're in... Baku from on that project in particular, because it is stunning. And we'll, if you have photos or something, I'd love to put that up on the YouTube version of this. Because mm -hmm. um, the building, the buildings, those towers are stunning. Yeah. And the work you did in the hotel is pretty awesome too. Um, when it comes down to construction administration, you get to the CA part of the, of the job in a totally different country, totally different culture. Like how did you navigate that? to get it to completion, to where it was so sweet at the end? Actually, it was pretty amazing because um, we were running behind time and there was no time for uh, ID to look at the drawing, then the project manager to look at the drawing and then go around the, every consultant to look at them. So the, the client decided to gather us all in Dubai in a room for a couple of days and it was a long table at the beginning of the table was the, the person who did the drawing. Then he would go through in front of me. I would redlining. Then it would be passed on to the project manager and then to the owner representative. It was like a mini factory in a room. And we would go like through 200 drawings in a day. But in a couple of days, boom, that was covered. The drawing would go back into production and that was done. So it was a pretty amazing way to expedite and cover everything. I've actually never heard of that a happening workshop. on a project. Yeah, no, it was pretty... Have I, you done that before? I had never done it before and I've never done it again, but talking about like being efficient and getting everybody in the room and yeah, it was like a mini, a mini factory. And how long was that day? 
oh, it was a long day, like a few, like all day, like nine to nine kind of day and going through all those drawings on a couple of days. But, you know, you walk away, you cover like 500 job drawings would have taken weeks slash months on a typical project. So that was pretty smart. Wow. That's crazy. I've never heard of that. You know, I was talking to someone, I don't remember who it was. They were doing um, architectural millwork projects. And as a designer, they would kind of, they'd have their rendering and their, and their elevation and plan. And then they would submit it to the mill worker, which was somewhere in the US. And the next morning they would get all those drawings. And then they would, so it was like a very incredibly fast turnaround. Mm. But to hear it happen all at one long table, like an assembly line, yeah, is as, pretty amazing. Yeah, exactly. And if there was a problem and there was a question, the person making the drawings or, you know, all the right people were at the table to address the issue. So by the end of the assembly line, it was sorted. Did it take like a catastrophe or a looming catastrophe to get everyone at that table? Or was it always part of the plan? I don't know if it was always part of the plan, but I think it was just the schedule was dragging on and there was need, there was a need to expedite the, the process. So, so we did it. Okay, so now I want to go back to something where you said, like as, as you go on this entrepreneurial journey, so you've worked with all of these great clients and then now they want to give you a chance. When you think about that as an, as an entrepreneur and, always, and performing and working on these great projects, what is it you think that they see in you or, or their experience of you that's like, yeah, I'll totally give you a chance. Like, what do they say to you or what are your feelings? Or, or, and are your feelings and what they say to you aligned or are they different? Are you surprised? You're surprised because you never take it for granted. And at first I was like, I'm so lucky. But then you look back and you're like, you've been working out for 20 years. It's not luck. You, you committed and you delivered. Mm. And, you know, like, it's not your deserve of it, but it makes sense. You know, like, I'm, as I said, I'm the one who has the answer because mm -hmm. I was the one in the trenches. So they, I think they appreciate that and they appreciate their commitment and the fast turnaround and having the answers and be a key person, it's not about like, oh, I'll get back to you and it takes forever. So you understand the process of your answer impacts someone else, which impacts something else. So if you take a week to answer something, it's things get delayed. So it's a they, cascading. Yeah, yeah. And so they appreciate you being there and committed. They, they see the commitment and hopefully the talent as well. Mm. And uh, they, they want to keep the relationship going. So it's we, today we talked about that. It's a relationship-driven industry. And I keep thinking that, you know that, to the vendors, anybody I work with, is as soon as you know someone, you can, you can push and pull more easily than someone you've never seen in your life. So well, it's essential. Actually, as you're saying that, I'm thinking, because like we've been through some pretty tough times together, but it always gets done. And it's almost like, because we have that relationship, we can take away all filters and just yeah. shorten the communication. Being real about it. Being real. And in a way, hearing you talk about that assembly line of drawings in Dubai for the, for the Baku project, in a way, building those relationships and being able to speak in an unfiltered manner to someone who you know, like, and trust, it's almost like setting up that assembly line. Yeah. Right? Because you don't have to pull any punches. You're not talking around and you can be kind of uncompromising in your vision because the other person on the receiving end must understand what you're saying. And sometimes it's hard to be 
unfiltered with people you don't know. Yeah, and when, once you know them, it's that comfort of being very honest to each other. Mm. And it's not about pushing my point of view on someone. It's having that exchange where you're a professional in your field. You can advise me how to make it better. Mm -hmm. So once you know each other, it's easier to make it better. Yeah. Hmm. Okay, so now we're talking about this world of hospitality design, opening hotels all over the world, great projects. Um, have you, and then but earlier you mentioned having passion and drive. Is how long have you known that you want to design and create things? Oh, pretty much at school, like there was a sense of creativity and. From grammar school? Yeah, high school. High school. Like developing that. And then um, after high school, going to design school, but it was more like art school. So you kind of test every area, like fashion, graphic design, um, you know, both art. And I did interiors and it felt more like my, my speed. Mm -hmm. um, but it's, it was only when I started working for HBA that I discovered the world of hospitality. Like at school, they didn't explain that to you. I didn't know like there was like such a field of hospitality. And then I was at HBA not really knowing where I was. It was that firm I was advised to, to go in to. In Atlanta? In London. Oh, you went to London first yeah, and then Atlanta. I started in London. I remember starting there and, you know, helping in there. I was junior designer and looking at the project and the talent in the room, it was pretty insane. I'm like, where am I? Should I be? Like, it was the beginning of the internet as well. So you were not like automatically like checking the website and things like that. But I started paying attention. I should have paid attention before. <laughs> I started paying attention and realizing, like, what am I working for? Like, this is pretty insane. Like, yeah. the project were like a resort in Cyprus. And you're like, what? Um, so, and, and I never looked back. And you that went was, from Paris school to London? So I went to Paris school. I studied English in New York for a year. And then, not to lose my English, I moved to London. I worked for uh, various firms in London and I landed at HBA. And after HBA London, I moved to HBA San Francisco and then HBA Atlanta. So I was there. I forgot about your San Francisco students. Yeah, that was a California boy at some point. Yeah, but New York got you Okay, so when you wound up at HBA London and it kind of opened up your eyes to these fabulous projects all yeah. over the place, who at that office kind of took you under their wing or took an interest in you or, or, oh, or helped push you? Everybody. Everybody. It was the managing director, Alex Kravitz, interviewed me and gave me a chance. Um, you know, I mean, junior, so probably like no money. You can get someone very <laughs> affordable. Let's hire him. And then, you know, Inga, Siley, Peter were the senior people there and extremely talented, like, and fun, and fun to be around. So mm -hmm. they teach you, like, it's hard work, but you're supposed to have fun doing that. And then um, San Francisco, and then the people in Atlanta, so many of them. Um, it's everybody I worked with was kind of a mentor. It was never like one person in particular, but it was a, a great team for sure. And when you look at the all of those mentors that you had at HBA and, and then the other firms that you've worked at, is there a is there like a a common thread throughout all of them as far as hey, this guy looks driven, he's passionate. Let's kind of challenge him, push him, open, open, open his eyes to what we're trying to do. But like, is there something that that 
you could draw a line through all of them? I think the most successful um, colleagues you work with are the ones which challenge you, but you challenge as well. So it's always that communication and taking the idea to the next level by exchanging. Mm. So it's not someone just telling you what to do, it's someone listening. It's all about listening and understanding and what if and taking it to the next step back and forth. And it's pretty incredible where you start, you think you have an amazing, an amazing design and then someone is like, well, what, do you, what if we go there? And you're like, oh yeah, I didn't think about that. But then what if we go there instead? And all of a sudden you build something pretty, pretty strong. Mm. Um, okay, so back to London, you're working on projects in Cyprus and all over the place. Yeah. Um, one thing that really resonates with me about you is you love travel and you've yeah. always been traveling. So now you're building these hotels in places that you travel and you're like, I don't know, I get inspiration from the places you, all the places you go. I sound like a Dr. Seuss book right now. <laughs> but uh, has that always been as well or did that come about in high school and college like when you were started opening your mind to design? No, that, um, I don't know when it started. And I know some people just, don't like to travel and I can't imagine. I think I always lived that way. I was, you know, I, I had a very um, nice upbringing. Um, summertime, we would travel with family. Mm -hmm. um, I have family in Lebanon, so I would go and see the family in Lebanon. And then we, we traveled with my, my parents. They, um, I don't know, it's never something to be aware of where we're told we need to travel because it's culture, because we want to see different places. It was just we we're doing it. So I've always done it. And uh, you learn that, you know, there's so many other places outside of where you live and learning different culture, meeting different people. It's it's very enlightening and exciting for me, it's, but it feels very natural. So. I'm always like, okay, what's the next destination? Why is something cool we want to go? Something beautiful to see? Mm. Um, it's it's very part of it. It was never something like you are being made aware at a certain point in your life. Mm. And then of all the travel you've done and all the inspiration and just getting out there and experiencing life, what draws you and keeps you in New York City? Because you were there, you went away, and you come back, and now you're there. There's that perception, New York is everywhere. Every culture is in New York. And there was always that idea, like if you can make it in New York, you can make it anywhere. And as a foreigner, it, I don't know, it felt that way. It felt like everything was possible. Uh, when I came to be a student, everything was happening in New York City. It was so exciting to be a spectator of it. Mm. Um, I've been to places where you need to know people, you need to know where to go to, to experience the excitement. New York City, it, you can just sit in a corner at a cafe and it's happening. I guess it's very much like Paris on that level. Mm -hmm. You just sit and you see people happening. Like everybody who goes to Paris tell me why you're not living there. And I could live sitting in a cafe and just looking at the life passing by. New York felt that way for me. And it was, it was more international. Back in the days, Paris was very French, Frenchy French. Mm -hmm. um, the um, New York was more yeah different quality and people from different background and ethnicities so there's always that fascination about it and see what's going to happen that's what excites me is you don't know what's going to happen because anything can happen yes while when i mean paris is a pretty amazing city but being from there there's not that unknown 
Yeah, it's you familiar. Can, yeah, you feel like I know what's going to happen. Nothing's going to happen. So, um, so New York has always had that attraction on me for some reason. Mm. Okay, so lots of great mentors, incredible projects, working at all these great firms. You're eight months into starting, yeah, Pierre and Co. What's the biggest surprise? Um, I don't know. Surprise, I'm still around <laughs> after eight months. <laughs> I, I like to think I'm not surprised about that, but um, the being surprised is so much I still need to figure out. I think um, it's easy to think that I've got this. I trust that I the design is the easy part. The business side, I was never really afraid of as a business manager. You cover the business, the business development, the contract writing. People were like, oh, putting your feet together. I'm like, no, I've done that in the past um, position. So none of this feels frightening. Mm. It's um, it's more the, the accumulation of it all and um, wearing all the hats. And you know that, but until you do it, uh, you don't really realize it. So I guess I'm still surprised that I'm managing to to do it. And it's, it feels good. It feels good. So um, so I know it's the right decision. Yeah. It's like you're the waiter, the chef, and the bottle um, washer all at once. I'm the intern, the junior, the receptionist, and the librarian all at once. <laughs> yeah. But, but it also, that ties back into what you were saying at the beginning, but from concept to reality, you're fully immersed. Like yeah. right now, you're fully immersed in the birth of this. Um, and it's success, right? Because you're yeah. learning all the intricacies. And then as you scale your team, you'll have that knowledge of, oh, this is what will happen. This is how to do that. This is how to block and tackle. This. Yeah, there was that need, I guess, at some point to be in control mm -hmm. and no more excuses. Like you want to do it that way, you're doing it that way. If that doesn't work, you pivot. Mm. And you make it happen for yourself. No more like, oh, they, they want to wait. They don't know. They're not sure. We'll send them away. No. You make the call and, you go, and you're running for it. You're mm -hmm. not waiting around anymore. And that's pretty thrilling. Yeah. Especially after coming out eight months, like really taking that step, right, as we're kind of at the coming in that upswing after COVID. And now things are really quite busy and there's just a lot going on. So. There's never a good time to start a business, um, but the best time is now. now. <laughs> yeah. It's now. It's like the, uh, what's that? there's that one saying, it's uh, the best, what's the best time to plant a tree? It's either 20 years ago or now, mm -hmm. right? Um, so as you're eight months in, what are some of the most exciting things you're working on? I just started working on the Fairmont in Banff which is a project I was working on before, and, uh, and I keep working on it. And it's an amazing destination. It's one of the most beautiful hotels I had a chance to work on. I think I worked on that many, uh, many years ago. It's vast and never yeah. ending. And uh, it's a small area, mm -hmm. but, uh, but I'm doing it. I hear the word, like those Fairmonts, you've done so many of them, and it's almost like you have a specialization for them, these big grand hotels from Frontenac to Banff, Lake, yeah, Lake I, Louise I, and Baku. Like, I was lucky to touch a few. I would say Baku was the the biggest of them all for mm. sure. And we're doing the entire hotel and the flame was just insane. After that, I was lucky to work um, 
for multiple years on the Fairmont in Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Stephanie at Fairmont has been a big advocate and that's someone I'm grateful for, for sure. Um, and it's well, it's working, you know, it's, uh, it's again, you find your people, people you, you work well with, and uh, it's a win-win situation. Like, uh, I'm happy to work on this project. Uh, hotels turn out beautiful, or at least very successful. Mm-hmm. So, um, so, you know, I'm, I'm happy with, with them. I don't work only with them. No, right, um, but, but they are... I know you don't only work with them, but it's also, especially the ones up in Canada that were the old Canadian Pacific hotels. I don't know what it is, but there's just something so intense and massive and the scale of them. And usually the locations where they're placed, it's just unbelievable. And I think that they they were all created along the old Canadian Pacific Railway. So people would, when they were going transcontinental, Mm -hmm. they'd come in from England stay at all these majestic places on their way to the Pacific. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they have incredible stories, incredible architecture. Yeah. And the setting is just magical. It's it's a dream for a designer to work on those projects. So I'm super excited. As I think of a long railway like that, I'm wondering, the Russians haven't done that, right? There's no, on the Trans-Siberian, <laughs> on the Trans-Siberian Railroad, there aren't these majestic stops along the way. No, but that, uh, what is it, the Orient Express. So they yes. have the majestic train instead. They don't have the station, they have the train. And have you ever been on that? No. Have you ever worked on one of those? I never worked on one of those trains. I I would love to. <laughs> yeah, those are pretty amazing. Again, because yeah. if you think about design and constraints, yeah, that's a lot of constraints that you're working on right yeah. there. I've done cruise ship. Um but I haven't done trains and planes. Mm. Yeah, so hopefully there'll be an opportunity in the future. Um, when you think about the projects that you've worked on from concept to completion, mm-hmm. and you look at that whole life of a project, is there one part that excites you the most? Not really. It's, it's all exciting in its own way. Like the, the concept is that creation. So you're really exciting and you draw the pretty things. But as a designer, it's all the process is what's going to make it happen. Mm. So they're all super important. That's why um, I know some designers prefer to be just concept designers, and that's great if that's what they like. Uh, for me, every step of the way is as exciting because it's the final touches. You know, writing the specs, we know that if you mess up the specs, the product is not going to look right, mm-hmm. it's not going to fit in the room. And that's going to be a nightmare. So it's all equally important. So for me, it's all part of it, all part of the process, and everything is exciting. Mm. And then as you look out there and, you know, you have your clients that you've worked with in the past, and then there's a, a bunch of people that have never heard of you or have never experienced you, if you were to, like, throw out there a dream project or brand or some kind of aspirational project that you could manifest to work on what what would that be and why we've been asked this before and i'm always like oh my god what do i want um for me it's not so much the project it's the team around the project so i worked on amazing properties and the team was challenging Mm -hmm. and you don't take as much pleasure and it's not as glamorous as one would think I work on not so prestigious project, 
but people are so lovely and so grateful for what you bring to the table that it makes it super special. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's more the team of people involved than the project itself. And when you describe that team of people involved in the project, like what types of people are they? Is it from ownership to brand? Like who, Everybody. who are those? Mm -hmm. Everybody, the, all the consultant, the purchasing agent, the vendor, the architect, the lighting designer. It's the people who are super talented in their field, but understand what the other person brings to the table and receptive to that and listen to each other and try to, to make each other better. Mm. Sometimes we find ourselves, we wonder, like we lost track that we're all on the same boat to make that project beautiful and successful. It feels like you're fighting each other. So the best projects are the one where we're all in sync and uh, to take it home as easily as possible. And again, you've worked on so many projects, but are there, are there any where that synergy or harmony jumps to the top of your mind that you would like use as, a, as a example of, oh, th this is when it all comes together? Well, I, um, I w I'm working with Tishman, and um, the first project was successful. So here I am still working with Tishman. So I think it's the personalities which aligns and the respect of each other. Mm. Um, I have other people I'm working with, Will. Um, MetLife is a big um, support of us, mm. and we're very grateful for it. So uh, there's a few. There's a few like that, which allows me today to, to do my own things. That's awesome. Um, okay, so this great past experience, eight months into the journey, you're looking forward. What's exciting you most about what's next? Well, it's the unknown of what's next and what's going to be and uh, trusting that some amazing projects are going to come or some amazing opportunities anyway and uh, they're going to be successful and um, long-term relationships. I'm really looking for uh, partners, mm -hmm. uh, long-time, long-run partners, not just the next fun project and then we move on. It's really like building that uh, network. Great. Um, and as you look to the future on, on this new entrepreneurial journey for you, what's keeping you up at night? Everything. <laughs> What doesn't keep me, keep me up at but night? But you do look rested. Do I? Yeah, you look okay. good. It's the Arizona weather. Um, <laughs> no, it's, it, it's something. It's, uh, it's something. It comes and goes. It's, it's a roller coaster. It really is. Like something's going to happen. It's a high. And then something else is going to happen. And you're like, oh, my God, what am I doing? Uh, yeah, it's really a roller coaster. Okay. And then on this roller coaster and just being kept up at night all the time. How do you, what, what do you do to take care of yourself? Like, like if you're feeling overwhelmed, like how, what's your self-care routine? Getting um, on a plane and traveling somewhere? Yeah, cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Escaping uh, the city, uh, staying in the city, or just being able to just sit on your sofa and do nothing mm. and being okay with that. And today I'm just sitting on my sofa, looking through the window and and not feeling like I always have to do something. Mm. Going to massage. Massage is really massage. good. Once a month. You have to have a massage once a month. Yeah. I always find when I'm the most stressed out, um, 
I just even go to like one of those reflexology places where you got like a foot rub. It makes all the difference in the yeah. world. Self-care. Self-care. Sure. Self-care. Um, yeah. And sleep. Trying to focus more on the sleep. I've, I've been trying to uh, get away from social media a little bit more mm. and make um, intentional not to look at it and spend less time. Focus on your sleep. Sleep is good. I heard sleep is good. Didn't you know that? <laughs> I, I've heard it, but then I just got this watch. I had an Apple watch before okay. that I would have to charge at night. Okay. But I got this like Garmin watch because I've been running a lot and like doing hiking and things. Um, but it because I, I don't have to charge it at night, it's tracking uh -huh. my sleep. And now I'm trying uh -huh. to collect good nights of sleep. Okay. So just measuring it has made a difference for me. But now I'm like getting competitive with myself. It's oh, like, God. Oh, shit. It's 1036. I'm six minutes past bedtime. The good thing about being on your own schedule now, it doesn't matter what time I go to bed. I know like I can sleep seven hours. And if I get up at 10, nobody cares. Yeah. So. Um, and you're so, all the better for it because yeah. you're rested and charged. So like focusing on committing on sleeping seven hours a night, at least try and things like that mm -hmm. is um, what I'm trying anywhere. To be continued. <laughs> to be continued in development. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. Um, all right, I want the peer I'm talking to now to magically appear in front of the peer in high school where you first started experiencing design, high school or college. Yeah. I think you said it was high school. Yeah, we had like uh, art classes. And art classes with really cool teachers, right? Yeah. Okay. So what advice does the peer I'm talking to now have for his younger? Oh, um... I don't know if I keep dreaming. I don't know if I was dreaming about it, but you have no idea what's going to happen. So trust that, follow your passion and trust that it's going to happen if you want to, if mm. you want to make it happen. I've always been someone, I've always been the captain of my ship. I don't know if it's personality or what makes you that, but I've always like, go get her. Mm -hmm. And um, so it's a trust that what you want will manifest and you can make it happen if you put your heart at it. Mm. So. Manifestation. Yeah. Awesome. If people wanted to learn more about you or connect with you or learn more about Pierre and Co, or how, how do they find you? Website. You have my website and uh, there's an email there and uh, details or Instagram, Pierre and Co on the go. Um, but uh, the email is probably the best way to get in touch with me. Awesome. We'll put that all up there. Um, thank you for your time. I've really been wanting to have this conversation for a really long time. And I'm so glad it finally happened in a really cool place with a cactus behind you. Yeah, my, I'm getting warm. <laughs> and baking. And now we have to, oh yeah, you're wearing dark and the sun is beaming in. And now we have to dress up like cowboys or something, right? Tomorrow. Oh, is it tomorrow? I just saw all these people go by in <laughs> costumes. <laughs> not for us. It's good. You're not like it. So it's a different party? Okay, good. Um, well, thank you. Thank wholehearted. you so much thank for having you. me. Yes. Yeah. It's my pleasure. And I just want to thank all of our listeners, too, uh, because we keep growing. So if this changed your idea on hospitality or how to create spaces or start a business or just think differently about what you're doing, please pass it along because it's all happened by word of mouth. And we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you. Thank you, Pierre. Thanks, Dan. Merci. <laughs>